your Bible and stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. I'm excited about the Word of God today. Are you excited today? Amen. Amen. Three of you are. That's a good start. That's a good start. Amen. It's the early crowd. Amen. But let me brag on you a little bit. I'm going to tell you something. I've had a couple of ministers lately, two different ones, and both of them uh, have looked over at me with astonishment in the early service, and, and they both said, you know, I travel the country. We travel the country. We're in a different church every Sunday. We go to a lot of churches with multiple services, and they both of them recently have said, you know, that first service, most of the time, nine times out of ten, it's dead. It's dead, it's lifeless, it's tough, it's hard. But both of these guys recently said, I cannot, well, it's actually three, three, because Pastor Perkins told me the same thing when he was here, that, that the energy that's in the early service is, is incredible for an early service, unheard of across the board. Give yourselves a hand this morning, amen? Amen. That's awesome. I'm excited today. We're going to begin a a brand new sermon series this morning. I am calling the big three. The big three. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And let's read verse number 4 this morning. The Word of God says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh, but they are mighty in God for pulling down Strongholds. Let me read it one more time. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This morning we're going to begin Sermon 1 on this series called The Big Three. Father, I thank you today, Lord, that, Lord, that you have not left us defenseless. Father, I thank you today that you've given us incredible weapons to fight our battles with. God, I just pray, Lord, today and throughout the next couple of Sundays, Lord, these three Sundays, God, God, I pray that you will help me to ignite a flame, Lord, an excitement, Lord. Let me, let me, uh, Lord, let me build a hunger and a desire, Father, Lord, to, Lord, all of these things we've heard a million times, and we already know what this is before we ever start. And yet, even though we know it, yet we leave these weapons laying dormant in our lives and don't use them. God, help us to get, Lord, these weapons in our lives and, Lord, Lord, actually use them, Lord, to pull down strongholds and do mighty uh, warfare for the glory of God. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, there are two words in in this verse that I just read to you that I want to call your attention to this morning. And they are the words weapons and warfare. Say those words with me this morning. Weapons and warfare. How many of you understand that we're in a battle? We are in a battle. Now, we understand that it's not a physical battle, but it is a spiritual one. So, in order to fight a spiritual battle, how many understand that you're going to need spiritual weapons? Let me tell you this morning that I am concerned that too many Christians today do not know how to fight. Oh, you know how to fight the physical fight. I mean, you're always fighting at home and you're always fighting with your kids and you're always fighting at work. You know how to fight the physical fight. But I'm not talking about a physical fight this morning. I'm concerned that too many of God's people do not understand and they do not know how to fight spiritual battles. 
And because of that, Satan keeps defeating them. And the devil keeps knocking them down. And what I see, and what I see as a pastor, is a weekly pattern. It's a weekly pattern. It goes something like this. They, they get knocked around. Our people, God's people, Christian people, they get knocked around by Satan all week long. And then they stumble into church on Sunday. And here we are on Sunday waiting for them to stumble in. And so then when they stumble in, we prop them up. And, and we doctor their wounds. And we send them back out into the world and yet they go back out into the world again and get all beat up again. Here they come back in next Sunday. All bumps and bruises. Same wounds. Same bumps. Same bruises. Same defeat they had the week before. Week in and week out and week in and week out. And it's kind of like we are just like a trainer or something. A trainer in the corner of a boxing ring. That trainer that works on that boxer in between rounds just to get him ready so he can fight one more round. Well I don't really mind being a trainer in the corner of a boxing ring this morning, but I want to tell you that this is a vicious cycle that we need to break. I want to tell you this morning that it does not have to be like this. I'm telling you this morning that God provides us with many weapons to fight with. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three. There are, oh, so many more weapons that God gives us. But for the sake of time and and whatever, I'm just going to talk about three of the mighty weapons that God has given to us to fight with. And I'm calling these the big three. Well, today, we're going to talk about the weapon of the Word of God. The weapon... Of the Word of God. Paul called the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. How many understand that a sword is a deadly weapon? The Word of God, friend, is a deadly weapon. I'm going to tell you this morning the Word of God can help you destroy, literally kill the enemies in your life. So if you're here this morning and you are constantly being defeated by the devil, if you're here today and your emotions are constantly going up and down like a roller coaster, uh, listen, friend, it could be that you are not familiar with, nor are you using properly the weapon of the Word of God. Let's talk about the Word of God this morning. There's three things I want to talk about concerning the Word of the Lord. This could have been a three-week series in and of itself. Let's talk about three things about the Word of God. One of our mighty weapons. First of all, let's, let's look at its purpose. Let's look at, at its purpose. Pastor, what is, what is the purpose of God's Word? Well, well, I've come up with four. That's not all, but let me just talk about four of them this morning. Let me suggest, first of all, the first purpose of the Word of God is, is inspiration. Inspiration. Oh, Jeremiah 20 and 9 said, His word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. Luke 20, uh, 24 and 32, oh, oh, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us on the road and while He opened the Scriptures to us? Let me suggest this this morning. If you have no passion for God, It just might be because you have neglected the Word of God. I remember when my wife and I were dating a long time ago. Because see, June 17th of this year, we will celebrate 40 years of marriage. 40 years. I don't know how that happened. I'm only 39. 
I remember when my wife and I were dating and we lived 100 miles apart. We only got to see each other on weekends. And how difficult that was, and especially, especially after we became engaged after the third date. <laughs> it's tough. It's about, it's about that bad, wasn't it, baby? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> What, kind of, what kept passion alive in my heart during the week when I couldn't see or I couldn't talk to her? Oh, what it was that kept passion alive in my life during the week were the love letters that she sent me every single day. Now, you understand love letters. Second service, many of them don't know what I'm talking about. Because, you know, when my wife and I were dating, there was no email. There was no cell phone. There was no texting. No Facebook. You know, back in the olden days. <laughs> but but the highlight, the highlight of my day, Monday through Friday, was when I walked out in front of my house through the mailbox, over the mailbox, and there was a letter from my sweetheart. And hardly a day went by, nearly every single day, I would go to that mailbox and I would open the mailbox and there would be a love letter from my sweetheart. And I would open that. Well, first of all, I'd run to my room and shut the door. <laughs> and I'd open that love letter from my sweetheart. I'd read those words of affection. Amen. How would you like for me to tell you some of the things my wife wrote in those letters? Oh, I bet you would. You are the nosiest people I've ever seen. Let me tell you something this morning. If passion is lacking in your heart for God, maybe it's because you've neglected to read the letters that the Lord has written to you. What is the purpose of the Word of God? Well, it's not just inspiration. It's It's information. Information. Matthew 22 and 29, Jesus said to them, your problem is, oh, I love Jesus. Now you got this sweet little candy-coated Jesus. That's not my Jesus. My Jesus was bold. He didn't tiptoe through the tulips. Jesus said, your problem is, you don't know what the Scripture says. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Scripture is given for instruction. Romans 15 and 4 says, Scripture was written in order to teach us. So the purpose of the Word of God includes information. How many of you, of you understand that the Bible contains much practical information? It tells you how to live your life in order for your life to be blessed and not cursed. You know, people live their lives and they make decisions contrary to the written Word of God and then they wonder why their life is falling apart. They wonder why life is so difficult for them. Friend, everything that we need to know in order to experience a blessed life can be found in the written Word of God. Hey, let me ask you this morning, would you like to have a great marriage? Would you like to have good, well-adjusted children? Would you like to prosper financially? The same three of you want all this good stuff. 
Amen. How many of you would like to do well at work? Listen, friend, all of this and much, much more is available to us. All we have to do is read and study and be taught the Word of the Lord and then apply what we have read, studied, and been taught. What is the purpose of the Word? Well, it's inspiration. It's information. Maybe you haven't thought about this one. It's it's insulation. It's insulation. Psalm 119 and 11. Oh, the, the writer writes your word. Oh, I have hidden in my heart. So I might not sin against you. You know, if, if you want to help keep the cold out of your house in the wintertime, keep the heat out in the summertime, what do you do? You stuff your walls, your attic, with insulation, right? And the more insulation that your house has, the easier it is to keep in your house what you want to keep in and to keep out of your house what you don't want to come in. And so it is with us today spiritually. Listen, friend, the reason, the reason why our heart grows cold towards God, oh, the reason why our hearts are so easily invaded by the world and its philosophy and wickedness is because we haven't insulated our spiritual house with the Word of God. Let me understand. The Word of God is a defensive weapon as well as an offensive weapon. We understand that it's a sword of the Spirit. It's a... It's an offensive weapon, but not only is it an offensive weapon, but it is also a defensive weapon. And the Word can not only help us fight our battles, but friend, it can actually prevent a lot of our battles. You're fighting a lot of battles you don't even need to be fighting. You're fighting them because you haven't insulated your life. Friend, the word is not only powerful, it is also preventive. And most of our problems we bring on ourselves. I don't expect a big amen there, but it's true. Most of our problems we bring on ourselves. We bring them on through either ignorance or poor choices. But if we would only insulate our lives by filling our heart and our mind with the word. Oh, if we would then base our actions reactions and decisions on the instructions of the Word of God, this Word would serve us like insulation serves a house. And we could keep the warmth of God's Word in our heart and we could keep the coldness of the world out. One more purpose of the Word. You're not going to like this one, but it's actually good. Incrimination. What is the purpose of the word? Incrimination. Hebrews 4 and 12 says the word of God is alive and powerful. It exposes it what? It what? It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. 2 Timothy 3.16 says scripture is useful for making us realize what is wrong in our life and then teaching us to do what is right. So part of the purpose of the word is to incriminate 
or convict us of wrongdoing and and improper motives in our life. And that's not a bad thing. It sounds like a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing. Let me, let me tell you this morning, better to be incriminated in this life and be corrected than to have to face incrimination on judgment day. If you want to test yourself and see how well you are doing in your Christian walk, open the Word of God and read it while also praying. Praying, God, reveal to me through your Word. Through your Word, reveal to me what is really going on in my heart. God, show me my flaws and show me and let me see my imperfections. Friend, if you do this, you're going to, humble, be, you're going to be humbled very, very quickly. Talking about the purpose of God's Word right now. So let me just sum it all up. Let me just sum up the purpose of the Word of God. The purpose of God's Word in, in, in summation is simply to place in our hands the key that will unlock the door to God's blessing. And the key that will lock the door and keep out the curses. All right, we talked about the purpose. Now, let's talk about the pleasure. The pleasure. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not listen to the advice of the wicked, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Oh, and they are like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit each season. Oh, their leaves will never wither, and they will prosper in everything they do. Again, two key words in these verses. The words joys and delight. Joys and delight. You know, I'm afraid too many people take in the word like they take in medicine. Or like they take in a vegetable that they know their body needs but their taste buds rejects. Now, when my kids were growing up, my wife made our kids taste everything. They didn't have to eat a lot of everything, but they had to taste everything. And my daughter, when my wife says, Krista, eat your peas, mostly corn, I I recall. Krista, eat your corn. You don't have to eat a lot of it, but you have to eat some of it. How do you know you don't like it? You haven't even tasted it. How many of you ever, huh? I'm lying, I'm dying. Krista gets a spoon and gets about three kernels of corn on it. She gets ready, screws her face all up, pops them in her mouth, holds her nose, drinks some water, hurriedly gets something she does like and put it on her tongue after that. Taking them. Like medicine, not chewing them, just swallow them like she's taking medicine. But you know what? You know what? This, this is the way some people read the Word. Well, I know I'm supposed to. Pastor said. Pastor said, how do you know you don't like the Word? You've never tried the Word. Pastor said. It's my duty. 
I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to read the Word. Now it's good for me. Now I should. And so they hold their nose and they read some little bitty something real quick so they know that they've read the Word. Oh, I'm telling you this morning, there is actually pleasure in reading and studying the Word. The psalmist said there's delight in reading and studying the Word of God. Let me give you some practical advice on reading the Word. I've done it before, but you're still not doing it, so we'll give it to you again. Let me give you some practical advice on reading the Bible. Let me tell you what most preachers and most teachers won't tell you. Let me tell you, first of all, you are a saint, not a scholar. You're a saint, not a scholar. You are a Christian that needs to feed yourself. Not a Bible professor at a seminary trying to impress and intimidate your students. So here's my practical advice this morning. Number one, get you a modern version of the Bible to read. A modern version. Just talking about casually reading the Word. Get you a modern version of the Bible to read. I don't care if it's written in a third grade level. Number two, read less, not more. What? I told you I'm going to tell you what nobody else will tell you. Read less, not more, in order to comprehend. It's better to read six verses. And you might have to read it three times. Well, six times three is 18. That's almost a chapter. Better to read three, or better to read six verses and read it and read it and read it until you understand what it says. Better to read six verses and understand and apply what it says than to read six chapters. I read six chapters. What did it say? Well, I don't know. Better to read six verses, understand it, comprehend it, apply it, than six chapters just to boast that you read six chapters. So read less in order to comprehend more. Number three, read prayerfully. Read prayerfully. When I was a young young pastor, I asked my wife's uncle, who was a real man of God. We were at their home. He was a pastor and genuine man of God. And I asked him, when I was young, I was always asking these pastors all kinds of stuff because I was over my head and I was trying to not drown. And I asked him, I said, uh, what's more important, prayer or the Word? He said, Mike, you can't separate those two. He said, pray. As you read the word. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have a prayer life in it, but but when you when you read the word, pray. Pray. This book isn't written for our intellectual understanding. This is a spiritual book. Amen. Amen. And so when you read it, say, Lord, Lord, open this book to me. Hey, I've been studying this book almost every single day for 40 years, and there's still stuff in here I don't have a clue. What? Huh? What? 
could that be? I believe it. Don't understand a lot of it. I'm sorry, you thought I knew everything, didn't you? I'm just now old enough to let you know I don't. And if you think you do, so read the word prayerfully. Ask God to speak to you out of the word. Not only that God would show you what it means, but speak to me from your word. And, and number four, read systematically. Read systematically. Don't just skip around. Read systematically. And number five, and this is sure, boy, I'll tell you what. You're not going to believe I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. Everybody ought to read every word in this book once. From cover to cover, once. Let me get back here, because when I start getting those darts thrown at me, I don't want to get. <laughs> Read it. Every, every, every beget, every name that you don't have a clue what it is, everybody ought to read it once. You're not a scholar, you're a saint. You're reading for information, you're reading for inspiration. So once you've read it all once, then when you get to all three chapters that's got begets, I give you permission. Skip them! <laughs> Have you ever heard a preacher say that before? It's okay. You're not a scholar, you're a saint. Amen? Amen. And so when you get, get to all those begets, beget, 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 you ought to read it one time. Everybody read it once. Skip over it. You get to, I mean, one of those really incredible, unbelievable Futuristic passages, don't, don't spend a lot of time there. Or something that's just there for history, that gives us history. Don't spend a lot of time there. Skip over that. You've read it. You didn't understand it. You won't read it. You won't understand it or comprehend it. Again, stop trying to be super spiritual and super saint. It's okay. Skip over it and get somewhere where the Holy Spirit can do some work and speak to your heart. Is that okay? Is that okay? Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, again, I'm talking to average saints right now. If you're a Bible teacher, you're a Bible scholar, that doesn't apply to you. But listen, friend, if you will follow my advice, you will discover the pleasure of the Word of God. And then, let me tell you, friend, some parts of Scripture are more pleasurable than others are for sure. And yet, you can develop a taste for the Word of God. You can get to the point where reading the Word of God can actually become the highlight of your day. And especially if you've got a good, bold, strong Starbucks coffee to drink while you're reading it. Or tea or Diet Coke or whatever that you want. Is this okay this morning? We're talking about the big three. I'm telling you, we, 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 don't have to, we don't have to be beat up all week long and then just stumble in on Sunday morning and, and have the preacher pour in oil and wine in our wounds and prop us up and get us going and put us back out there to be beat up again. I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm telling you that God has given us some incredible weapons that we can use to fight the battles of life. With. All right, we've talked about the purpose of God's Word and the pleasure of God's Word one more, and then we're done this morning. Let's talk about, let's talk about its power. Its power. 
Friend, the Word of God has unlimited power. Four things this morning about the power of God. Could say 400, but how many is glad I'm not? Talk about power to convert. Word of God has power to convert. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Pastor, whose idea was it for all of us to sit here on a Sunday morning, put you up on the platform, Whose idea was it for us to sit here and listen to you preach? God's. God chose the foolishness of preaching His Word in order to convert sinners to salvation. Let me tell you that there's power in the gospel when it is preached. And I want to tell you this morning, it's not the charisma, it's not the delivery, it's not the ability of the preacher that produces the power. Oh, people, oh, he's a powerful preacher. Well, he might, you know, he he might really be a good speaker and he may have a lot of inspiration and, and he might really be able to move a crowd. But I want to tell you, he doesn't have any power. The power is not in the preacher, but the power is in the Word that is preached. Power comes from the Word of God that the preacher preaches. Oh, it's not up to the delivery boy to convert. Oh, it's the goods that the delivery boy delivers. That's what produces the power. But not only does God's Word have power to convert, it also has power to convict. 2 Timothy 4 and 2, preach the Word. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Let me tell you, friends, preaching that doesn't convict its hearers isn't much preaching at all. And friend, today we are encouraged to tone down our preaching. Don't offend anyone. Don't make anyone uncomfortable. That's the message of the hour. That's the message of the age. I I get emails every day telling me, to stop preaching. And they're from preachers that have stopped preaching. One very popular, and I've said this before, but one very popular megachurch pastor brags and says, you will only hear positive, encouraging sermons from me. I'm sorry, I never got that email. God never sent me that email. He told me to convince and rebuke as well as encourage. 
And friend, I challenge you, if you'll read the Word of God, you'll soon discover that it's not all cotton candy. Oh, it's not all positive and uplifting. It's not all sugar and spice and everything nice. Rather, the Bible contains the good and the bad and the ugly. Oh, oh, thank God for the encouraging, uplifting, faith-building parts of the Bible. But I also say thank God for those parts of the Word of God that convicts me. Those parts of the Word of God that brings me to my knees. Those parts of the Word of the Lord that shows me my sin. Talking about the power of the Word right now. Power to convert, power to convict, and power to conquer. Oh, I wish I had an hour on this one. Don't worry, I know I don't. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And three times the devil tempts Jesus and every single time Jesus responds the very same way as he says to the devil, it is written. And Jesus used the weapon of the word of God to conquer the devil. Friend, the devil is a professional liar. The devil is a master of manipulation. And friend, if we are unfamiliar with the Word of God, the devil can twist the Word, he can misappropriate the Word, and if we listen to his lies, we will become deceived and therefore we will become defeated. But if we familiarize ourselves with the powerful weapon of the Word of God, amen, that sharp two-edged sword in our hand, we can use it, amen, to conquer the enemy and win the battle every single time. Let me ask you this morning, oh, oh, are you battling depression? Oh, use the weapon of the Word of God to conquer it. Are you battling temptation this morning? Then use the weapon of the Word to conquer it. Are you battling insecurity and a pessimistic attitude today? Then use the weapon of the Word and conquer those enemies. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going to. I don't know what your individual battle is today. But I'm telling you this morning that you do not have to be defeated. I'm telling you this morning you can defeat it when every single battle that you battle with. Amen. If you know and know how to use the weapon of the powerful Word of God, give the Lord a shout of praise in His house today. One last thing about this weapon and its potential. Let me suggest it has power to comfort. Power to comfort. Psalm 107 and 20, he sent his word and healed me. Romans 15 and 4, the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 18, encourage one another with his word. I can't tell you how many times over the years people have come up to me after church And said something like this, Pastor, while you were preaching, God healed me. While you were preaching, God touched me. While you were preaching, God gave me the answer that I've been seeking and searching for. Oh, hear me, friend. I had not not prayed for them. I, I had not prophesied over them. I had not anointed them with oil. I hadn't given them some faith formula to recite. No, no. He said his word and healed them. You see, God's word can heal you totally. Spirit, soul. 
and body. Are you hurting today? Is your back up against the wall today? How do you not know how in the world you'll ever get through whatever it is you're going through? Allow God's Word to comfort you today. We can get the worship team back in place this morning. Oh, hear my heart this morning. Friend, I am tired of the yo-yo experiences of God's people. Up today, down tomorrow. Beat up by the devil all week long. Stumble in here, have us patch you up, only to see you stumble back out and come back again next Sunday with the very same bumps and bruises we doctored this week. I'm not chastising you. You're hearing me wrong if you think I am. Hear my heart this morning. Understand what I'm saying. It's not that I'm not willing to do it. I've been doing it for 40 years. It's not that I'm unwilling to do this. It's not that my patience is finally running thin. It's not. It is not. That's not at all what I'm saying. It's that I love you. And I want the best for you. And I know it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to stand there and let the devil pound on you. You don't have to keep letting him knock you down. God has given us some very powerful, powerful, This series we're going to talk about three mighty weapons. I'm calling them the big three. There's many other weapons. There's the weapon of the Spirit. Oh, there's the weapon of the name of Jesus. Wow. I'm just going to talk about three. I'm calling them the big three. Today we talked about the weapon of the Word. Next week we're going to talk about the weapon of prayer. Pastor, you know how many sermons we've heard on prayer? Yeah. And did you know that the average American Christian prays less than three minutes a day? I think it was D.L. Moody. I said Christians don't tell lies, although I know Christians who do lie. I, I hear those words. But he said Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. And I love our praise and our worship, and this is not a slam against it. It's, but sometimes when I'm seeing the words on there, I'm, I'm thinking in my heart, God, I wish that were so. All I need is you, then why are you always running around trying to get something else? You're all I need. No. You're all I want. No. Wish it were right. Wish it were true. So yeah, you've heard a thousand sermons on the Bible. Reading the Bible. You've heard a thousand sermons on prayer. You've heard a thousand sermons on praise. You're going to hear one more each time. 
hopefully the Lord's going to give us. There's a little twist on praise the Lord gave me just this past week. I can't wait to get to that one. Stand with me this morning, please. My question this morning is, are you going to use this weapon? Are you going to use this weapon? Are you just going to, you're happy and content just to get beat up all week and come in and get a little oil and wine poured into your wounds. You feel better. Have the worship team and the pastor prop you up and get you up and encourage you and pat you on the back and send you out to get bloody again. But you know when you come back, they'll have everything they need to work on your wounds. They're like a trainer in the corner of a of a boxing ring and they'll, they'll, they'll get you ready where you can fight just one more. Are you tired of that? Are you tired of that? Are you going to use the weapon God has given you? Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. This is the altar call right now. Please do not lie in the altar call. And this is with God's help, and we can all slip up, and we can all, because anything that's not routine and regular, it's hard to, sometimes to do. So let me help you out when you answer these questions today. I want you to answer them with God's help, with God's help. Number one, with God's help, I will read the Word every single day this week, even if it's only a few verses. With God's help, I'm going to read from the Word of God every single day this week. Can I see your hand this morning? Yeah, most of you. Second thing, with God's help. Well, you don't really need God's help with this if you get God's help with the first one. The second one is, I will read the Word of God prayerfully, asking God to reveal what it actually means and how it applies to my life. How many of you will respond to that? I'll do that. The third thing. With God's help, I will do battle using the weapon of the Word this week. See your hand? Friend, if you really, really will do that, I promise you, your life will be enriched and blessed and helped. Let me tell you that the devil saw your hand. He's going to do everything in his power to make sure you don't do what you just committed to. Just be aware of that. Be ready for it. When it comes, you can say, devil, it is written. It is written. Father, we just love you today. We worship you today. Thank you for the word of God. Oh, it is a lamp unto our feet, God. It is a light unto our path. Father, help us to develop an incredible, unbelievable love for the word of God. 
strengthen us through your word. Amen. Let's sing one little chorus and then we'll be done this morning. Pastor Braden, if you'll dismiss after that, please. So here I am to worship. Here I am to bow. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to So here I am to worship, here I am to love, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together Visitors, don't forget to drop off your connection card at the information booth. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you later. Lifted my shame, drawn me with love.